Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Tell me about what you think the show should be about tonight. Well, um, I was thinking, you know, we could do the thing where we talk about the the thing where you, I don't know, you completely put me on the spot, man. Oh, noes. <laughs> I guess we might be talking about the challenges of description on demand. Yep. Cue <laughs> music. And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host with the clear nose, Phil. (laughs) And I am your other host, experiencing allergies in the time of COVID, Senda. (laughs) Yes, nothing like like wearing a mask and having a runny nose while shopping. Oh my gosh, it's so terrible. Sneezing in masks is the worst. And like, I've sneezed in my mask before because I have allergies, but like, I also haven't had like a full on spring allergy attack in my mask before. That was an experience that I do not wish to repeat. So I guess like it's time to break masks? out. Like, like, could you just like, you know, like sneeze and then just like rip it off and stick another one on so that yeah. you have like a clean one? So the thing is, like, I actually had another one in my purse and I was like trying to find I was in the grocery store. y'all. <laughs> I was like trying to find an empty aisle where I could like just like sneakily like wipe my face with the one mask and then throw the other one on. And I never found a place that there weren't people. And I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> we should we should probably save the rest of this for the um, bamboo lounge. Yes. <laughs> and we should probably get to our topic for tonight. Where did our topic come from? Yeah, um, Cubano on the forums asked us to chat about an article that was from the Alexandrian um, called The GM Don't List uh, Description on Demand. Yes. I don't know if I agree with the don't list part, but... I don't know if I do either, but like... But I'm okay talking about description on we demand. We should talk about it. Yeah. We've, we've, we've talked about it before without necessarily using that term. And I think the first thing that we should do is define this really clearly because I think that part of the reason um, that that article is out there is that um, they're using that term extremely specifically. <laughs> and some of the things that you might think would be included in that are not included in that. So, Phil... I, I, My definition panda. Yes, I like yes. that. I like that you're like. I think we should probably start by defining things, as if we don't start every show <laughs> by, defining, by defining. How novel, things. Senda. We should probably <laughs> define terms before we discuss them. Well, you know, I'm just you know, it's been like five years, but I've still felt like I would just, I would just you know, lead them in gently. <laughs> Why, yes, I would be happy to do some definitions. Uh, description on demand. We're going to define it. As when a GM shares the narrative authority um, for part of the world by asking a player to define some element of the game. So there's some really key parts of that definition that I want to glom on to. Sure. Because it's kind of like when Pathfinder changed the rules so that you could sneak attack 
um, undead, but they changed it by specifically excluding the sentence that said that you couldn't. And so it was a little bit hard to pick up on. So, wow, that was a nerdy reference, but thank you for all coming with me. Clearly, I have some personal feelings about that experience. Um, So the key words in that definition are, in fact, that it's part of the world, right? So description on demand is not filling in character-related backstory or filling in character action details when you know the results. So it's not when you're like, oh, your sword goes through him. Describe how you kill him, right? Like, that is not... Even though if you broadly use the term description on demand, that is not what we are actually discussing tonight. Yep. So essentially things that have to do with your character, your PC, if it's about you and it's backstory stuff that could have been on your character sheet, whether it's happening now or later or whatever, um, that stuff is not going to be things included in our definition for this discussion this evening. So I think what might be good is for us to do um, an example of description on demand and an example of one of these cases where it's not that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. cool. I, I'll do I'll do the the positive one sure. by asking you a question. You do not have to answer it. This will just be a rhetorical <laughs> a rhetorical question. What if I want to answer it? Well, no, I think we'll just get off into a whole <laughs> yeah, other Yeah, we should just go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh so we're playing a game and I'm like, Senda, um, you come upon this diner uh that's clearly like out of business like it's not closed it's clearly out of business why uh why did this place shut down yeah yep so now i'm you're asking me specifically a world element yes right yeah you're not it have anything to do with my character right, it, the, the diner yeah. has nothing to do with your character i just you know i'm describing to you this diner that's been closed down but i don't know why and maybe you'll tell me it was because there was a fire maybe you'll tell me there was a health hazard there was a shooting in it something that you'll wind up telling me about the diner that I will now then incorporate into um, the ongoing narrative of the game. Yeah. Cool. Versus. Yes. Versus. This is this is this is the not description on demand. Um, and so that would be something like if I asked you, how do you know the owner of this diner? Sure. Right. So now that's about your character, your backstory and involving your specific character in this game. And because it is PC instead of world. Yep. That's where we're drawing this line. So, the line that we're the line that we're placing is that thing so in a traditional game, right, where you're not using description on demand, uh character usually retains narrative authority of things pertaining to their character. So, things from their background, those kinds of things. Like, you know, tell me about your character's parents, right? That's usually now that's not hard coded anywhere that's not like you know etched in stone and you know Gygax didn't carry it down from you know carry it out of Lake Geneva or anything on tablets but the convention Are you sure is though? <laughs> not a hundred percent sure he didn't but um but the convention is generally that um when it comes to the authority of your character like you have control of their actions and you generally have control of um the things that are pertinent to the character, which is why Senda's examples are not description on demand. Those are just asking for background elements about your character. Yep. Right. So how you know the owner could be like, well, uh, I went to school with the owner, right? That's a thing right. from your background. Okay. Yes. Um, 
in fact, if I was a GM and wanted to insert that into the game, I would actually do it as a question to you. Yeah. I'd be like, Hey, um, I don't think we've ever discussed how, you know, the owner of the diner. What if they went to school with you? Right. If you needed that specific thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or I was just feeling it. Right. Like I was right. just feeling it. And I wanted to put that in there because I wanted that kind of relationship as opposed to it's an uncle. Um, right. So, so in that case, because I am encroaching on the like player sphere of authority, I would actually, as a GM, just ask that and the yeah. player would grant or deny that. Okay. Yes. So then outside of the player, yes. everything else is the world. Right. Yes. So that's when when we're talking about description on demand, we're talking about when the GM says to you know a player, hey, I want you to describe some portion of the world that normally would be in a traditional game my job to do. And that is usually actually defined um, in a game because many games will tell you that the role of the GM is to describe everything that's not the player's. Yes. Right. There's always a line like you describe, you know, the world and the people and the blah, 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 blah. OK. Yeah. This is all you. Right. So in that case, in the case of description on demand, the GM is basically granting permission. Or seeding uh, seed, authority. Yeah. Seeding authority, Control. granting permission, but like giving a piece of the world or some element of the world to the player to define to then take back and incorporate into the game. Yeah. OK. I, I think that's very clear now. Do you okay, feel comfortable so. with that? I feel comfortable with that. I felt like we really had to dig in on this one because... No, it's good. It's good. It's There are bits of this that if, as we have this conversation, there are bits and pieces of things that I know I do all the time that because of our very clear definition are actually not description on demand, even though in many ways they function sure. like description on demand, right? So it's really important for this particular discussion. Right. And so I think the thing to be clear about is if you are asking a character a question about something that is within the sphere of that character, that's not description on demand because you didn't actually cede anything to them. You're just asking them a question about their background or relationship or whatever. Yep. It's when you take something completely outside of the character and hand it to the player, right? Not yep. the character. You hand it to yep. the player um, and then take it back. That's the that's the difference. Yes. And I do both of these, right? Like right. I absolutely do description on demand and I absolutely prompt players for um, for information. And I yeah. do, I do like, I don't differentiate when I'm doing this, when I'm GMing, like I just, when, like when I want, like when I want an element, I toss it to a player and make them, you know, like I ask them to define it. And if I have questions or I ask a question because I kind of want to lead into something that's about a character, then I just ask those leading questions. Yep. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. Yep. Then what does this technique actually do like why like why is description on demand even in, like why is it a screwdriver in the toolbox um well I, the fun thing about it um there's a bunch of fun things about yeah, it there's bunch so of this things. is why, why people like it right like what why it's fun to do um so one of them is added creativity right because the thing is as a gm running a game we're a single person with a single brain and um so, you know, one person can be extremely creative, but frequently 
um, ideas from other people will broaden the scope of, of, of everything or even just hit different directions that you never even considered. Um, and I, I think that's really cool. And honestly, it leads into our next one. Um, which is my favorite one, which is... It's my favorite too, actually. <laughs> which is, it's a surprise for the GM. Um, I actually, as a GM, don't enjoy knowing every aspect of the game world and everything that's going on, right? Like, I, I um, that for me gets to be really bland. Like, if I am, like, you know, just kind of managing all the details and I know everything in advance... Yeah. So what I really like is I like the spontaneity of kicking an element out to a player to define and then needing to take it and reincorporate it into the ongoing story. Yeah. Like I, I find that to be a lot of fun and I get, I actually get like a little rush from it. Um, yeah. And so that to me is like probably one of my favorite things because um, depending on your players, you never know what you're going to get back. Yeah, you really don't. <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what else? What else does this do? There's some other benefits, right? Yeah, and and I do it for this one too, admittedly. Um, so this is also a way to reduce your cognitive load as a GM um, in that you don't have to plan out every detail of everything, nor are you responsible for then on the spot creating every detail of everything. You don't have to make every villager who has ever walked the streets of this town, you know? Yeah. If they want to find someone and you can't think of a name, you can ask them what the name is, right? Like, so that's part of what it is. And to me, that reduced cognitive load also just ties into um, when... as. It's funny because I use it more like this when I'm having a down day as a GM. Like when I'm, this is when I'm not using it for surprise. When I'm like, wow, guys, like brain not really working today. Uh, you know, so I may be asking you to help me out more. And then it's like, okay, uh, I don't, can you give me a name? Like, right. And, and you can just ask your players to help you because you are all having a shared play experience together. And it is everyone's responsibility to help make the game go. Right. So if you're having a, a day where you're not feeling as much creative juice and you need a little push, um, some help from people, like, I think that it's fair to ask your friends to support you so that you all have fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am uh, I'm very much of that mindset, too. Like, I was very much not that mindset a long time ago where um, I thought it was, like, you know, my sole job to uh, entertain everyone else in, in the game group and, like, basically do you know, um, all the GMing work while the, you know, like, so that my players could entertain themselves by being, uh, characters. Um, I, I it's not a philosophy. I actually, uh, believe in anymore. Right. I'm, I'm very much of the mindset that we're all in this together to, to tell a good story and have a good time. And, yeah, and the GM is also a player, even in a traditional game. Yes. And so, you know, I like, um, I like this, and sometimes it is as simple as I just need a name, right? Like yeah. sometimes it's more complicated. I want to know some backstory to something or I want somebody to define some characteristics of an organization or something. Um, it'll depend on what I need. But even yeah. at the very least, like asking for names is like one of those things like I suck at names. And if I don't have my name generator handy. And I try to have that ready, like at the go. But if I don't, then kicking that to a player is a very good way um, to just get, like, keep the game moving and just, like, you know, hey, give me a name. 
Great. That's the name. Let's go. Yep. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think it does is that um, by letting players define elements, especially things like organizations or, you know, tell me yeah. about this planet or tell me about the species, whatever, um, you know, or tell me two interesting things about the species, um, it creates player investment. Like emotional yeah. investment, right? So it, it, when players create things, they tend to have attachments to them. And so it's a great way in a game to help foster additional emotional investment by letting them uh, contribute to the building of the world. Yeah. And it's specifically investment in the world building versus in their characters, yep. um, which is sort of a different thing and very cool. And it also means that like that cool quirk that they just added to that species or whatever is like 10 times more likely to keep coming up because they added it instead of you. Added oh, yeah, absolutely. It. Yeah. And again, this goes back to um, and I think this was a misdirected Mark episode. I don't remember if we did it as well as love lettering. I don't remember. Yeah. But, you <laughs> I don't know. know. It's been five years. Yeah. I mean, at, at, at some point we did every, um, we've done every podcast. Um, <laughs> I mean, you certainly have. I feel like I have some days. But yeah, this goes into love lettering, right? Like if I tell you a couple of interesting things about an organization, I'm kind of telling you the kinds of things I'd like to see this organization be about. Yeah. The things that I think would be cool to play with in this game. Exactly. Yep. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. So we know what it does. Um, but now we got to talk about something, um, as kind of a little, um, uh, transition before we talk about, um, who would like this and who won't like this. We need to talk about levels. Yes. So we've done a previous episode on levels. Uh, yep. Mr. Dr. Mark has done a previous episode on levels. Somewhere. Somewhere. Um, <laughs> levels is but, very. But we did a recap yes. reasonably recently, I, I yes, want to say. Yeah, within the last year or so. Within the last year. Yeah. yeah. Levels is kind of our shtick. Um, and again, really quickly, it's kind of a mental model of where your attention and focus is at different parts of the game. Um, and the reason we bring this up is because description on demand has a very specific effect on levels. Yes. So this um, description on demand is a story level activity. Yes. If I'm asking Senda to describe an organization that is not directly related to her character, I'm not asking her to stay inside the level, like in the character level. I'm asking her to jump to the story level and add to the story of the game. And that is a very um, distinct action, right? So yes. it is very much moving from character to story and then probably back to character. Yes. Okay, and because of that, this technique is not for everyone. Yes. Okay. And, and that's and that's you know, particularly if even if just in general you don't like switching levels, but you don't mind staying in one place, but like maybe you just like being in the character level, but like. Or maybe you even like being in the story level sometimes, but you like being in games like if you're playing Microscope, you just stay at the story level, right? Yes. And then you're good. But maybe you don't like jumping levels. I'm like, that's valid, right? Yes. So that's a thing that can be part of this conversation. Yeah, which actually goes back to the original article where, um, where one of the points was when they play a story game, 
Yeah. They're perfectly fine staying in the story level. And when they play a role-playing game, they like to be in the character level. In the character level. Yeah. They, now, they didn't say they didn't say it with, they said it with more words than that, but we have a model yeah. for kind of describing this. So we're going to just boil down what the article, part of what the article said. Yeah. And, and you brought up a very good point. They do not, in that article, like moving like between, between those. Them. Like either yeah. I'm in this one or, or I'm in that one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. so cool. With that understanding of levels, we now can talk about who might enjoy this technique. Yeah. Because some people are going to enjoy it, right? So um, the easy one is people who like the story level yes. are going to like this. Whether it's, you know, in a particular <laughs> game or, you know, just in general. Like, this is one that I think Phil likes a lot. Oh yeah, I love this, right? So I I, I love the I love this technique as a GM. I love this technique as a player. Yeah. Um I am and and I'm a person, so now let me qualify that. I'm a person who one is very comfortable switching between between levels, mm-hmm. but two, I'm also a person who um I believe in I don't know what I'm probably gonna just make up a term off the top of my head here called micro immersion. Wow. Okay. So there are people who are like, who, who like immersive play, right? So, um, you know, they like to get in their character, be their character for like, you know, the whole game. I like being my character, but I could be my character for five minutes. And then, you know, for like, I could be my character for five minutes in a scene, jump up, describe something, jump back in, like, and, you know, and then keep playing. Like, it's, for me, immersion can be in very small um, bits. Like, I can have a very, very dramatic scene and then be very comfortable the next scene, like, um, pushing my, you know, mini on a map. Like, yeah. I, I don't, like, I don't have to, I don't have, I'm not a person who, like, um, we're beginning the game and I like kind of like, you know, like total method actor, right? Like I totally get into character and then I'm kind of like character all the way through this session. Like I will dive into and out of my character. Yeah. Frequently. Yeah. Uh, and I'm super comfortable with it. That's not for everybody. Yeah. Which is why we're saying who would like this people yeah. who like story level. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely down with that. Who else uh, might like this? Yeah, this also applies to you, my friend. Yes. Uh, GMs playing characters. <laughs> yeah, like if you're a GM sitting at somebody else's <laughs> table, um, yeah, you're. I mean, you're just naturally prone to work in the story layer. Yeah, like, you might also dig this. Again, yeah. might. Might not. Yeah, you can. These are you preferences. Can make general rules. Yeah. Yes. And then um, the last one on this list is actually people who who enjoy improv because this is a level of just shared storytelling and world building together, which creates like that shared environment that you then play in going forward, right? So I can yeah. I can actually name examples of this happening like it just happened recently like i know they do it on campaign and they are all professional improvers right and so like that there are moments usually going into the beginnings of of uh new locations where they will stop and they will say okay here's a description of this place now each of you add one specific thing to this location now we're going to jump into the story right and that Um, and like that is 100 percent my jam 
Yeah. Like, like that's that's great. Yeah, I'm that, on board for that. <laughs> yeah, that is a hundred percent my jam. If if a GM does that in, in a game, I happily will throw out my thing and I will then be like ready to dive back in and be my character and head into the scene. Right. And it also means there's just these cool things that you know are gonna come up because the characters mm-hmm. made them. So now they're definitely gonna come up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um cool. All right. So it, it's pretty obvious, right? People who like this are going to be people who like that story level, who like, you know, the thrill of improv and things like that. They're clearly and, people... Oh, God, And God. people who are comfortable switching between levels if yes. you need to, to accomplish that. Yep. Yeah. Very good point. Now, yeah. there are definitely people who will not like this technique. Yes, it's true. Um, which, which, is, which is not going to be hard to figure out because it's kind of the inverse of the people who like this technique. Yeah. But we'll define it anyway. We'll define it anyway. Sure. So um, people who really like staying at the character level. Yep. And or who do not like switching levels. Right. Yep. So you're immersive players. Right. Yes. Um, and again, I'm not bagging on immersive players. I know lots of people who really dig that uh, style, who really like to be... Um, a character. In fact, the the reason they derive joy from role playing games is to embody a character that is not themselves. Um, I, on the other hand, am a frustrated um, writer, and I derive <laughs> my enjoyment of the story that is told, uh, even if it um, at times sacrifices the comfort and safety of my character. Yeah. Um, if that makes a better story. And that is just, and the, and again, this is like, where do you get your, where do you derive your joy? Um, right. And we don't all have to do it the same way. It's okay. As long as everybody's getting what they need out of a game, like we're cool. Exactly. We can all play together. It's okay. Great. So, so immersive players, probably not going to dig this technique. Yeah. Um, and then what's the other? Uh, the last one is also then, yeah. People who are uncomfortable with improv or being put on the spot or, and this is an important one part of like subcategory of that or people who are in a situation in which they don't feel safe to spitball ideas with a particular group. Um, so this is just like improv in that, like being comfortable throwing out an idea, no matter if it's silly or not, um, requires trust in the table that everybody's going to be cool with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like, like I want to, I want to touch on a couple points of that. So the trust part is, um, the trust part's a big, a big part of this, right? Because you're asking, uh, somebody to give out suggestions. Um, if you're in a group where like, let's say, um, let's say hypothetically I get invited to a, um, I get invited to a group of D&D players playing Forgotten Realms and am then asked to improvise some world elements of the Forgotten Realms. Yay. Like I don't but and I'm playing and I'm playing with my peers, so old people, like uh-huh. who have lived and breathed Forgotten Realms since it was a box set, right? Since right. Ed Greenwood walked it into the TSR office, right? I, I, like I like I may not feel comfortable um throwing that out and then i may not feel safe if i throw something out and everybody like jumps on me and it's like that's not how that works phil right now that's the dumbest idea ever now i say that example as a white dude but i think we all understand that if <laughs> you are a woman a person of color um if you are marginalized in any way you may not have that level of trust with the table that you're at in many cases for good reason and yeah, you may not be comfortable, even though you might in your home game love this technique, you may just not want to hang it out in like this group. Is that fair yep. to say? 
Yes. Again, I have to ask that. I have to ask that as a question instead of a statement because, um, well, uh, you know, I'm a cis presenting white dude. So I should say I'm, I'm a cis hetero presenting. Yes, there you go. There you go. Yes. Got it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I don't actually really know that. Um, but I'm pretty sure that that's well, like, I know enough stories where I'm pretty sure that's a serious problem. It's certainly a factor, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. trust is going to be a huge part of this. Now, if you have like, I know you have a home group yes. um, where you guys have a <laughs> a immense massive level of trust with one <laughs> another they're my boys <laughs> right and and so and so tossing things out to that group um yes. no matter how um for lack of better term off the wall yes. it might be like it's a totally safe space for you to to do that and for them to do it and also to rein it in if somebody like throws something a bit further than everybody was expecting Right. And it's not a hard feelings thing. It's more of a like a, that's a really cool idea, but I think that it takes us down a path we weren't intending. Can we redirect into this direction? Right. You know, we've talked about this stuff before, too. Yeah. But it's really easy because it's a really easy crew to communicate with. Yes. So I'm just going to bring up a quick side note to this, which is a tip for GMs. Yeah. If you if you are doing this, um no matter what table you're doing it at, but especially if you're doing it with strangers. And I do this with strangers when I run games at cons. Um, you need to be supportive of yes. the questions that of the answers that come back. Um, and if you have to change it, then you got to like, yes, and your way into it. And yeah, like, or yes, yes, but is acceptable. Yes, but yes, and right. Yeah. But you kind of need game, to like not improv. Right, it's you different. just need to mold it a little. Yeah. Um, you you need to do that gently, and you need to be supportive. Um, yeah, and you definitely have to make sure that having asked someone to give you input, that you are then affirming that their input is valued and respected. Yes. Um, so that the next time you ask them, they're not like, ugh. Right. So, like for instance, if 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 I did that to somebody. Um, for a game world, like let's say it's Hydro Hackers, right? Where, you know, like between you and I, we're like the two people who know the most about Hydro Hackers. <laughs> um, and I ask somebody and they kind of come up with something that's not really, like doesn't really quite fit. Doesn't really quite fit, yeah. But like I'm going to take an extra effort as the GM to kind of um, make it fit as best as it can. Like I might be like, oh, okay. Like I get what you're saying and I, I like it. In, in the world, it works a little differently, but let's take that, let's take that core piece of it, the, I don't know, counterfeiting, um, and let's, let's do something with that. Um, and how about, you know, what if, you know, people counterfeit um, the, uh, the safety labels so that they can, you know, they can mark water as better water than, you know, than it actually, it actually is. is. Well, that's a terrifying idea that yeah. you just came up with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but that, like, it's that idea that, like, look, if you use this technique as a GM, you have a responsibility to, um, you have a responsibility to the players to protect them and, like, yeah. don't let other people, don't let other players don't jump let other player on them. Don't on them, yeah. Don't jump on them yourself. Like, yeah. You need to like you're you're relinquishing part of the world and it's like, you know, but you also have to be kind about it and make sure everyone else is, too. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, it can be a very uncomfortable experience for somebody and it could ruin a game where they could have just not said anything. Yes. (laughs) 
Yeah. All right, that was a big sidebar, but I. But that was a big I, sidebar, I, it, but it's really important. good. I'm glad. I'm glad you. Came yeah. out. I'm glad you noted it. I'm glad you noted it because it's really, I think, important. Um, important to discuss. The last point I'll tack on to this about being uncomfortable. Yeah. Is once again, improv is a skill. Yeah. So yeah, it is. If you are uncomfortable with it and don't want to be uncomfortable with it, there are absolutely ways to practice and learn and 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 make this into a skill that you can actually uh, do better at. I was not an improv person for a long time and learned to be one. Um, yeah, for this specific style of stuff, the thing that I will throw out there as a recommendation because it's a fantastic book is Karen Twelve's book, Improv for Gamers. It is specifically a whole bunch of fun, weird little improv games that are for helping you practice these skills, these particular yep. skills. Yep, and I was hoping you would do that. I was kind of, kind of, I was just kind of like <laughs> you're like, you're like mind melding my mind to your mind, my mind. Anyway, I was just, I, I was hoping I would just create an opening. You would know right where to go, and you knew exactly where to go with it. That's it's what like I love about record. This, That's what I love about recording this podcast. <laughs> you were right there. You were right there when I needed you to be. Oh All right. gosh! Cool. Okay. All right. So right. So just just to kind of recap, right? There are people who are going to like this technique. There are people who are not going to like this technique. Absolutely. Um, and 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 that is not a judgment on anyone. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about briefly um, when to use this technique and when not to use it, and then I want to wrap up this whole thing by talking about um, how to put it into play. Sure. I think we should put one caveat on here, which is. In our opinion, when to use it. And this when whole not show, to use it. like, I don't know if we have to put you that know. at the opening, but like, this whole show is in our opinion. We are by no means experts in anything. Now, that said, I am going to argue that hour for hour and word for word, I might actually be an expert in this. I'm pretty sure you are. But we're not going, but look, we're not, that. that's not the thing we're doing here. All of our. All of our advice is based on our own personal experiences. Your mileage will vary. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Cool. Done. Disclaimer right. finished. Complete. There we go. Carry on. All right. So when should when is <laughs> when are good times to use description on demand? Um, personally, I love it for filling in non-essential elements that honestly would be boring. Yeah. If I didn't kick it to a player. Yeah. (laughs) And and just let them, because players will almost always come back with something more exciting than the thing I was going to come up. Like I was probably just going to have the thieves guild be pretty normal. Like, I don't know, some sort of traditional guild structure or something. But if I kick it to the players and I'm like, what's the organizational structure of this, of this guild? And they're like, it's a polycule. And then I'm like, (laughs) okay, like cool, cool. Like we are like, all right, I got to work with this now and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like like so it, it's that kind of thing. It's like I'm giving you a non-essential element of the game that I probably would just make boring like so like make it fun. And I will add one thing to that, which is you are committing by asking someone to give you that input, you're committing to using that input in the game. Oh uh, yeah. Right, like that is going to have an in-world effect. Oh yeah. So it's non-essential, but it's not like you know, what's the street made out of? Like correct. Yeah, yeah. no, no. Like right now, I'm like my head's buzzing with the idea of this polycule, this like polycule like run thieves guild. Like 
I don't know. I like was, the whole top echelon of it's like all like in love with each other. Like in, like they're all in a think, relationship. I was trying to think of the most boring question that I could ask as a GM. Like, what's the street made of? And of course, as soon as I said it, I thought of so many cool things that a street could be made out of. And then it was like, why? Why would it be made out of that? And now I have to find out. Like, yep. why is it paved in emeralds? I don't know. But there's probably a cool reason. <laughs> like, okay. Anyway. What, what's another thing? What's Sorry. A, what's another reason to use this? Um, for a change in beat, you know, because sometimes there are times, um, as much as I, I especially try not to, being, um, as we have previously discussed, a reactive GM, I am not usually the GM who is sitting there talking, just me talking for a long period of time, but every now and then it still happens, right? So if my mouth has been moving a bunch, or even if I've been in a scene with one other person for a while or something like that, and I need to involve someone else or, or move the voices around a little bit, um, it's a really good way for me to have a change in beat, a change in voice, um, you know, just have a different moment at the table. Yeah, I am 100% with you, right? And it's also good for the players, right? The change in yeah. voice will also help sharpen the <laughs> yeah, player's attention. attention. Yes. Yeah. All right, cool. I Another like time... Attention. attention. Yes. <laughs> Attention. Attention. Uh, another time you might want to do this is just for, um, and we kind of just mentioned this when we first started talking about it, but is for the creative boost slash challenge. Like, yeah. Like now that somebody's defined this, you know, this Thieves Guild being run by a polycule at the top, like, what does that even look like? How does that work? Like, yeah, it's a mess because every time somebody breaks up with somebody. Because some of them have to break up with some of them sometimes. Right. So, like, yeah, what does that even look like? And then, so then, like, now, like, now, like, you're running down, like, this, you know, like, you're running down these ideas. And they don't all have to be in this session. But, like, now you're like, well, the Thieves Guild was going to be kind of a background thing. But now I'm going to put, like, a now whole big like, spotlight on this thing in future games. Yeah. Because now there's like a three-way split of like whose loyalties lie where. And so as long as everybody's relationship is running well at the top, everybody's good. And then when they're not. Now, oh sometimes these things, um, as a designer, and I can say this, like, I have asked questions like I've asked, you know, I've done some uh, descriptions on demand that are now canon. Yes. In Hydro Hackers. Yes. Uh, Blue, Blue Babies. babies. Um, Thank you, Jason Pitt. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, the local six six six, the yes! Devil's Plumbers. God, they're so good too. Right, that was uh, Rob. That was amazing. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Those are now canon. Like those are th yeah, so those, those are, are written into the book now. Yeah, those were things that I threw out um, to players for ideas, and when they came back with it, I was like, oh, like. That's now part of the game. I would never have come up with those. But in the end, I was like, the game is so much better. Yeah. For because the world expanded. Mm -hmm. yeah. I remember, I think it was a game. I, I What was it? There was a game that we were playing at. Um, I was running it at um, Breakout. And somebody used the phrase water privilege. Your water yes. privilege is Your showing. Your water and I was privilege like, is showing. I like turned and looked and I like immediately wrote it on my index card. And I was like, oh boy, that <laughs> term is like going to get, like that term's going to get used in this game. Like that's fantastic. 
and you noted one from our um play, I our did recent, when our, we when we ran ditch lilies uh and I wish I could remember who came up with it because I don't I don't remember who it might be in our notes somewhere but we, I guarantee you it's in our playtest notes it's in our playtest notes so we'll get it right when we when we write these stuff down officially but yeah we can't somebody at our table came up with the best best coffee shop name for a 90s coffee shop ever big mugs where the u in mugs is is a mug yes has a little handle <laughs> on it. god i love big mugs so much that place was great <laughs> yep all right so by all means um i think we've kind of you know thrown enthusiasm yeah, we've espoused <laughs> on why like when to use it when don't you use it senda like when should when when should you in general and again your mileage may vary somebody on the internet will instantly disagree with us but senda when do you think and i think because i'm in agreement with you here <laughs> when do you think you should not use description on demand yeah, uh, the really big one for me, like tied up in just sort of a giant package, is critical plot elements. Meaning, you shouldn't you shouldn't send them hunting for the MacGuffin for six sessions, and then they open the door to the MacGuffin, and you say, "Awesome, what is it?" Yeah, no. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> now, there's somebody out there who would dig that as a game, but I'm in agreement with you. There are things, there are elements of the game when I'm running, even when I'm running like the most improv game. Yes. There are like, there is a core, like there is a spine or whatever. I don't know what the model, what the description is, but there's a piece of it that is mine that I'm kind of holding on to because that's how we're going to get from start to, to finish. To finish. Yeah, yeah. Right. I am not, I am never going to rely on my players describing things to move the story forward because I know the direction and trajectory of the story. The fun thing for me, like, I don't always know how the story is going to end because yes. I don't know what they're going to do and I don't know how the dice are going to roll, but I know what will happen if they do nothing. Yes. Right? Yes. And so I have an idea. Like, I know what the forward momentum of this story is, and I am never reliant on player descriptions to make momentum and story happen, and I shouldn't be. I might be improving that stuff as I go, but I'm never going to make the players be responsible for making the story go forward because I do know where it's going. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, it, yeah. Very in a very similar vein. Another place that I will not use um, description on demand is if I'm running a uh, traditional, um, a, a, a traditional mystery, like a like yeah. a mystery where, um, like I know what's going on, yes, and the players are discovering it. Like I'm not really going to let them elaborate too much on that because it's going to mess with the continuity that I'm I'm trying to keep. Yeah, and they if, don't know everything that's going on because that's the whole point. So they can't decide. Right what the clue is because it might not match up with the answer that you're planning on. Correct. So like in a gumshoe game, I would not do this in yeah. a noir landia game. Oh, I but probably what, would be okay. That's doing what this. noir landia is like all about. Like exactly. find all the clues and then figure out what the mystery was, right? Like yes. a different order to it. Yeah. There's there, there are definitely, so there's definitely plot elements you do not well, want to mess with. Go I'm going to, and I'm going to clarify something here because gumshoe is a role playing game. Sure, sure. And Noirlandia is much more of a storytelling game, right? It sure. lives at the story level much more than the character level. Yeah, don't disagree. Yeah. 
Um, but so again, works, you but... can use you can use uh, description on demand in any role playing game. You absolutely can. But yeah, maybe maybe not for like the the critical. But plot stay. Elements. But but as our tip of advice to you is, try to avoid your critical plot elements. Yeah. Uh, and then the other <laughs> one I'll just throw in is kind of a safety thing, right? Don't use it if the answer to the question is going to undermine another player. Yes. Don't make a player cut the legs out from another player. Like no, never. That sucks. Um, yes. And it'll create hard feelings at the table and all of that stuff. Like don't you know, like don't have one player, um, you know, describe like. What's the weapon? Like, what's the weapon that, you know, the the demon is wielding um, when it comes after Bob? Friend. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't, like, and what? knowing that Bob's like a, a dagger fighter and you're like, a pole arm? Yeah. Like, <laughs> a like, long spear? A lance? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, don't, don't, a trident. Do, yeah, don't do that. Don't do the no. thing where you, the one player's answer, um, really, um, can really harm another player. Now, um, because, right, like, just don't do that. I was gonna like come up with like 10 other reasons, uh, 10 other, but don't just, don't. yeah, just don't do that. Okay. Um, let's just briefly to wrap this up, talk about implementing it. Um, there is no mystery to implementing um, description on demand. So first of all, if you are starting a new game, just toss it into your session zero questions. Like, do yeah. people like this technique? Yep. Um, do people want to do this or not? Right? Like, yeah. just, it's a very easy session zero question to ask. Um, Communication. It's a, absolutely. If you're already <laughs> in the middle of a game and you want to try it out, you can absolutely just, you know, mention it to your players. Like, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I, you know, I never really used this before and I really would like to kind of use it in the game. What do you guys think? Talk it through right again. Communication. There's, I mean, again, there's no real magic, um, formula to this. It's always about communicating with your players. Talking to people. I mean, if you've been using it for a bunch of time and you are now suddenly unsure if your players like it, just ask Check them. In. Check yeah. in. Hey, I've been doing this a bunch. Are you all enjoying it? Affirming consent. <laughs> or establishing consent if you previously if you didn't have it. Talked about it, yeah. And then the final piece that I will say, like the one nuance to this is um, one size does not fit all. You do not have to do this technique with every player at your table if you like doing it. Yeah. And somebody doesn't. Like if, you know, if one of your players is like, eh, I, I like I'm like I'm uncomfortable with improv or I'm like I'm slow at it or I feel awkward doing it, I don't really want to do it. And like two of your other players are like, oh, I fucking love it, man. Like, you know, I, I, you know I'm i a GM in like three other games. I, I totally will love, you know, I totally love doing that. I'll give you a hand with it. That's also okay. Yeah. You like, get to figure out what the dynamic of your particular group is. And as long as everybody's cool with it, like as long as the person who doesn't want to do it is cool with the other people doing it. Then And like everybody's go. happy with that arrangement, then like go forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just then like, yeah, dig it. Like it's yeah. totally cool. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. That I, I don't think we need to elaborate on implementing any further. It really no, just, is just a, just use your big big person words. Just just use your soft skills. Use you use your big person words. And, don't and say it like that. That's condescending. People. That's condescending. Don't. <laughs> that's don't how condes I would say it to myself, though. Well, that's okay, but don't <laughs> don't make used... people feel don't make people feel bad if they've you know not okay. thought of. Okay. Just, 
communicate it out. Okay, it's communicate good. it out and know that, that those words about big people were how I talk to myself when I need to That's do something like communicate with other people. <laughs> right, because sometimes you're like little person. And then sometimes yeah, like I have to person. use the big person words. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. All right, cool. That wraps up our topic on Description on Demand. Cubano, thank you so much for recommending the article. Um, that was actually a lot of fun to um, to kind of read, pick apart, and the two of us had a lot of fun um, kind of comparing notes and thoughts about it. In order for us to get to the end of the episode, you got to tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark podcast as per... Um, no, no, the Misdirected Mark Network. Sorry, Misdirected Mark Network as per <laughs> station policy. Um, yes, so, as I should know. <laughs> as you should know. So uh, go ahead, hit us up. What do you got? Yeah, um, on the Gnomecast, I'm just going to plug a specific episode because why the heck not? I think everybody should listen to it. Rob did a fantastic job editing it. Um, if you didn't hear the April 1st episode of the Gnomecast, you might want to go check that out because um, there was, wow, my phone just did a noise. I just pulled a sneeze act. There was, <laughs> I'm not going to edit this, by the way, um, there was a really fantastic episode on April 1st that you should listen to in which there was a teleporter accident. And uh, I think uh, most of us gnomes are still wandering around trying to figure out what the heck happened. So if you could just listen to that and find us, that would be great. Fantastic. Say, send a... <laughs> Where do people find us on the internet? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark uh, forums, forums.misdirectedmark.com, just like Cubano did. And uh, if you prefer, you can also drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com, or you can be super snazzy and find us on the Tiki Tuckies. And if you send us a video on the Tiki Tuckies, then we will use your audio to ask the questions. Nobody has been brave enough except for the wonderful, marvelous Karen Twelves, who asked us a hard question that we haven't answered yet. <laughs> yes, yes. A hard question that we have to do research like, oh, on. Man, we and then think we haven't done one. research on the question. We haven't done the research. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> anyway, once people have found us in one of those locations, what can they do with that information? Yeah, do this. Do do what this whole episode was about. Like, ask us a question. Um, ask us to talk about a topic. Um, whatever. Like we like we like talking to each other. We like talking about games, but the thing that we really like is helping you uh, have more enjoyable and more fun at your table. And the way we do that is by taking the things that are important to you and giving our insights, um, some advice, and you know, hopefully a few laughs along the way as well. Uh, so yeah, just keep doing that. Like we really dig it. Um, and again, we don't like picking out the topics for the show ourselves, so we really don't, appreciate that you guys have been doing pick, it for five years. Don't make us choose. That's mean. Right. <laughs> excellent excellent um if you like what we do here elsewhere on the misdirected mark network please consider supporting the patreon campaign go to patreon.com slash mmp patrons get access to the slack room for life that has been uh my personal covid bunker um it's <laughs> yes, it it's been my it's my virtual covid bubble like yes. I've, i bubbled up with the people of the misdirected mark network virtually uh in support all during the pandemic and i'm not planning to end uh staying in that bubble with them after the pandemic's over i love them a whole bunch um and uh i just like it's great you should just do that we have friday luncheons where people can come and hang out with us uh at lunchtime for those of us who are working from home i'm gonna be very sad if i have to go back to the office on fridays because like i well i'm not going to um <laughs> I'll go back other days. I'm not going back on Friday. Sorry, I've I have other commitments. Um, <laughs> anyway, you get the um, the after show from Mr. Mark. You get the Bamboo Lounge from here, 
and um, other goodies as uh, you know as we get around to you know clawing our way out of this um, this giant creative like drain that has COVID been slump yeah that has been the pandemic and kind of returned to our publishing and creative ways so uh we like to share those with our patrons as well uh we love your patronage um because it is what makes all of this possible from hosting to equipment and all of that so we we're eternally grateful for all of your help to make all of this possible including um all the shows that are on the network, shows that are coming on the network. Yeah, so. I was going to say, there's new stuff coming soon. And like, you know, we're funding yep, yep. that. So, yeah. So that's like, you know, that, that, that's only done through, uh, because we have, uh, we have you all as patrons. If you're already patroning the show, thank you very much. If you're unable to patron the show, we totally understand that. So don't, you know, don't in any way take the last part of that personally. We totally understand that. But there is one more thing you can do. Um, and it totally works because it just worked the other day. Um, <laughs> it goes, it goes with our "if you listen to us, you will love you us." You will love us. <laughs> and it happens. It happens enough times that I'm sticking to this motto. I uh, know. Senda, what's the thing? Uh, although I hear you're going to have to talk to Sean from Gaming and BS because he says this thing isn't as poor, as important as subscribers. Really? I don't know. He says he, but he knows stuff about podcasting. So he says <laughs> this thing that yeah. you're about to say is not as important as just this getting is, more people to subscribe. This is this is a conversation for later. Yeah, I'm gonna um, let you hash that out. With yeah, me. yeah, ahead. yeah. We'll go hash that out. But you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice, so you could sure subscribe too. That'd be great. <laughs> Um, we really, really do appreciate the reviews. They actually make us feel super warm and fuzzy inside and like give us moments of sheer happiness despite the the bleak landscape of the world that we have been living in. Um, so we really, really appreciate them so much. Thank you very, very much to everybody who's already left a review. If you left it somewhere that was not the Apple uh, podcast store in the U.S., we might not have seen it. So drop me a note and let me know. I will stalk it down. I will find it. I will read it and it will make me happy. And then share it with me. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. Cool. I'm not going to keep right. them to myself. Like these reviews are only for me, not for Phil. He does not get to see the reviews. Say, Senda. Yes. Tell me why the road is actually paved in emeralds. Yeah, I was thinking about that. And This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Bloopy. Click, click, boom. Check, check. It really is like every other. Episode. I know, but I love it. I love that song. <laughs> I do. I love it. I love oh. it. Well, I'm trying a new mic position, so I'm gonna. I'm. I'm having to mess with it just a little bit. I'm talking this way now instead of this way. Nobody's gonna know. I'm I know, know, but I can't. I can't. I can't. The way that my desk is, the one thing I can't do is get the mic directly in front of my display in a direct on way. 
It's the one thing I like about the boom mic is I just like, I pull it over to the side and then just kind of point it in front of my face. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter because I'm going to turn my head anyway. So yeah, you're going to flail around anyway. What I try to do now is I try to like back myself up to the wall. So like I'm, so I've got like my chair like up it. against the wall and like like there's really no place for me to go at this point. So I'm kind of hoping I'm kind of like I, I'm hoping it's less terrible than it has been. I mean, I think you're getting better at it. But then again, I don't edit the show anymore. So who knows? You know, honestly, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I guess I should go back to the beginning of the notes. Yes, you should probably get okay. your notes queued up. I got the beginning, the beginning of the notes. Okay. Okay. Oh my gosh. If I'm just, I'm just trying so hard not to sniffle my way through this. We'll probably talk about it. We'll probably talk about it when we get the show going. Oh, I know we are actually. I just thought of a thing. Okay. Uh oh. Talking about the challenges of description on demand. Yep. (laughs) Cue music. Look, music on demand. Yes. 